Another episode of Fratello on Air. This is Mike Stockton coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany. And this is Walash Renzi coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Walash, how are you doing? Mike, I'm good, man. How are you? Happy New Year in advance. Yeah, Happy New Year in advance. We're we're here recording this on the on the last day of 2020, which is uh, a year I think we're all ready to to get behind us, and you'll be hearing us here in the new year. So, yeah, doing doing okay. Um, kind of a, I think all of us had a a bit of an unconventional holiday this year. Um, I actually yeah. traveled a bit, un, unlike a lot of people. So, mine was maybe a little bit closer to normal, but it was still pretty different. Uh, but it was it was nice. It was nice. How about you? That was it was more probably more eventful than mine. I mean, I. I didn't do much. Um, uh, the drive is is not a problem to drive home, but uh, because of all the regulations between the two countries and the quarantines, it really made no sense for me to to um, uh, go home and stay in quarantine, only to come back and then stay in quarantine again. Although I'm in home office, so quarantine is you know basically <laughs> working for me. It's no no difference. Um, but yeah, mine was not as eventful as as yours were. But do you have to go to um, get quarantined afterwards, or uh, when you come back? Yeah, well, as as they say here in Germany, yein. Yein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if you uh, return from a high risk country, which the United States is, um, into Germany, you're supposed to quarantine for five days. Uh, before getting a test. And if you decide not to do that, then you just quarantine for 10 days. And if you have no symptoms, you're apparently allowed to to leave the house. However, (laughs) um, while we were over there, I got a message from a friend who also went home to to his uh, home country here in Europe. And he gave the health authorities a call here and I don't know how he had found out about this, but he basically asked if, um, if he had visited family only in a high risk country, were the rules still the same? And basically the response was it defaulted to the old rules, which is you could test either 48 hours before returning or as soon as you arrive and do an official PCR test. And if you're negative, uh, then you don't need to quarantine. So we tested immediately upon return because we called and found that to be the case. Um, and honestly, we, we really haven't gone anywhere. It was just more to give us the flexibility to go out for a run and, and throw away the trash and that kind of thing. But we've, we've really kept to ourselves for these, these five days, but we've been fine. And thankfully those tests were all, all clear. So. Mm, absolutely. Well, let's hope, uh, let's hope that 2021 will, will bring an end to this, um, one way or another, um, I think so. I, it'll take a while, but but I think we we certainly have some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I I've admittedly not read in depth about the vaccine and everything, but I it's good to see that it's rolling out, and hopefully it it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think we're you know we could be in a worse country than Germany when it comes to 
<laughs> security and regulations. I mean, they really take this very seriously. I'm, I'm not saying other countries don't, but I don't know because I'm not there. But uh, Germany, for sure, they really um, they're really on top of things. I haven't also haven't followed the numbers, but um, to be honest, at this point, it doesn't really matter, right? Because it only gives you the amount of of people that's been tested, and what's up with the ones that have been um, never been tested. But anyways, uh, I think enough. Corona talk. Um, why don't we talk about the watches that we're wearing today? Um, why don't you start with with your wrist candy? What are you wearing today? Yeah, the last Hangelenk controller of 2020. <laughs> exactly. So I'm wearing my newly received Ming 1801 H41 diver, which nice. Yeah, yeah. If you um, if you've read our site. Then I did a couple articles on this. I, I did an article when it was released. And then unfortunately, the watch, uh, the prototype that got to me didn't get to me on time due to customs. And I reviewed it like a week and a half after it debuted, which was which was right in between. They did two different uh, release points for the watch or sale points. I think they released 300 watches, uh, two different tranches. And I was fortunate enough to be able to get that article out before the second run went live, which I hope allowed some people to really, you know, get get a get a real impression for the watch and, and different things. But I really enjoyed it, and I decided to order one, and it just arrived. And the watch is basically identical to what I reviewed, with you know one thing that that sticks out, and that's the DLC bezel. So when I tested the prototype it was really kind of jet black. And when I received the production model, the bezel is a slightly more gray tone. And I chatted with Ming and they mentioned that they did go for a slightly lighter color because it matched the dial and the case. It, it, was, it was a better transition basically. And this lighter color actually gives about 10 to 15% more hardness. So it's a little less um, yeah, prone to scratches. Anyhow, I, I really enjoy it. I know there are very strong opinions on this watch, um, love and hate. I mean, most people do like Ming's aesthetics. Uh, the dive watch has a bit of a of a thick look at some angles, although it's really not thick. It's something like 12.9 millimeters thick total, which is nothing. Just more, more the design and the fact that the bezel doesn't overhang the case or anything. But it fits beautifully. The bracelet is fantastic. I know there were some complaints there because it is a universal one. It doesn't, you know, fit the case exactly. But for my wrist and the way it, it drapes, it um, it actually does look like it comes into contact with the case. And I really, I really like the fact that it's such a different take on a dive watch when you've seen so many Submariner clones or, or lookalikes. Mm. Uh, this is a this is a really different take, so I'm enjoying it. Let, let's see if uh, the honeymoon period continues, but it's not been off my re wrist for over a week, so that's what I'm wearing. How about you? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a cool watch. I haven't seen yours, but um, maybe next time we see each other, absolutely, uh, I want to check it out because it's um, it really looks. I mean, not only this one, but every watch from Ming looks super different, and um, I like the I like the design, the overall design. I think it's it's a pretty cool brand, and um, this one is being the the true sports watch quote unquote sports watch right it's uh it's something special for sure um i'm going um with uh with something more vintage and uh more omega mm -hmm. <laughs> my uh my choice is the uh omega genève dynamic um 
from, I believe, the early 70s. And this is a watch I reviewed, um, I think, last year in 2018, uh, 2019. Well, by the time you listen to it, it was two years ago, 2019. Um, And, you know, this is um, not your everyday Omega, I would say, due to the fact that it's, you know, oval and it has this... um, one piece leather strap or one piece metal bracelet that you have to uh, screw on the case back or well actually it's a monocoque case right so it's a front loader and then there's a there's a ring a retainer ring on the back uh, of the case and you have to uh, screw that ring off and then on the bracelet as well as on the strap there's a hole as i said it's a one piece then you push the case through this hole and with this ring you secure the watch uh on the strap of the bracelet so it's a it's a very interesting looking watch um on the one hand because of the 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 strap option on the other hand because it's as i said it's oval but inside the the dial is round and it's a normal uh caliber inside you know it's it's a fun piece very 70s very funky i don't really wear it too often um it was in the box and i just picked it up a few days ago and uh, I've, I've been wearing this ever since. And there's a number of examples out there with the date, without the date, with day date, uh, ladies version, gents version, normally with a white dial with this blue sector dial kind of ring uh, running around it with a painted um, logo and painted names and numbers. Mine has the applied uh, steel uh, Omega logo and you can find the article I think both for your watch and mine in the show notes below so if anyone wants to check it out they can they can check out the watches so um, yeah it's a it's a very cool watch uh, very different still pretty affordable um, I would say and it's just great fun yeah I I, uh, I did that recent risk game on the well I guess that was the last dynamic series for for Omega which was a very large departure from the prior dynamics and yes yeah, the, the later ones were sort of World War II military inspired and the earlier twos, I, I, I think they're amongst the funkiest watches that Omega ever made. They're very of the time, but they're still pretty neat. And I think um, we were talking before uh, about how if you go on eBay or at least in the past when you went on eBay, you'd see all kinds of straps for these things. And it either felt like there was... Um, just a huge amount of production back in the day or, you know, there's, there are other folks making straps for them now, but it's a, it's a unique watch. And and I think the price point is still pretty good for, for a vintage Omega. Yeah. I mean, I think you can pick one up uh, easily under 500 euros. Uh, immense. I mean, ladies is even hundred, $150 um, or dollars or euros, but I think on the 500, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a pretty cool, uh, piece I bought mine actually on a, a third option, a third strap option. It's basically a ring which has lugs, and you can attach any type of strap to that to those lugs. That's nice. So yeah, you can wear it on your crocodile strap or you know whatever you want, and that's a very rare option. Um, when I was writing the article, I learned that it usually came on a leather strap or in a bracelet, which is a full bracelet. But having this ring with the lugs. I think it's 20 millimeter lungs. I'm not sure. Um, you don't really see them too often. I think it's easy to do with a with a 3D printer nowadays, you know, or, or the CNC machine. But 
you don't really see them too often. And um, you can put it on a NATO strap. I wore it on a NATO strap. But mine came pretty much new old stock with box and um, papers. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the back, there's an inscription from the, the previous owner. And uh, actually, the inscription says uh, 1971. Nice. So, so I think it's one of the early ones. Your watch is going to turn 50 this year. That's crazy, right? Ah, true. Yeah. <laughs> so you haven't even... Wait a second. Let me check the date. It says 1971... 19th of February. Ooh, so soon. Very soon. Very soon. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Well, uh, let's stay with Omega for a second, but move away from the dynamic to another model that we both love. And um, in the last few weeks, we had to deal with these models pretty frequently, I should say. And what I'm talking about is the, the Speedy World Cup that we ran. Help me, Mike. When did we start a Speedy World Cup? Probably October. I think it was November. in October, so it ran for well over a Close month. Close to two months. Yeah, two months. Yeah, well basically. over a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we we basically pitted what was it thirty two different Speedmasters against each other, and kind of in a World Cup format, there were these um, different different groupings that knocked each other out, and then you know ultimately it came down to a final, which was the. 321 Ed White, the the brand new, well, released this year model versus the Snoopy. The Snoopy. Yeah. yeah. The newest. The newest. The second Snoopy. The second no, no, Snoopy. The second the Snoopy. Snoopy. Yeah. 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 The white one. And the Ed White ended up uh, taking the crown, which which was pretty interesting. Um, I, I kind of thought that the Snoopy would do it. There's so much love for that watch, even though I'm a pretty noted... Uh, <laughs> Uh, opposer of, of dogs on dials, but that's okay. Um, I know people love them, um, but it was a lot of fun. I, I, I think it was pretty surprising in some cases, some of the watches that, that ended up winning. I, you had, you had the winner under your, um, under your tutelage. So you were writing, you were writing on behalf of the winner and I had the fourth place finisher in the Tintin, which I must say, as much as I love that watch, I was pretty blown away by how it finished. So it was yeah it was an interesting it was an interesting competition and um the 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 321 ed white was not in my list when uh we submitted the the watches we wanted to write about um i don't remember what i what i submitted but it was definitely not the 321 and i just got that and um the other one was the the italian one the white dial one i also had the, the japanese racing i had the the moon landing yep. uh, anniversary model, not the gold, but the the steel, and I had the three twenty one, and you know I thought it. I mean, it's a cool watch. It's really a beautiful piece with the three twenty one movement. It's it's uh, amazing to see. But but I also thought that ah, there's so many. You know, Speedy Tuesday one, Speedy Tuesday two, all the Snoopies, the Tintin, as you said. There's no chance it's gonna win. And uh, yeah, I kept on marching, semifinal, quarterfinal, final, and uh, finally took the crown from um, from the second Snoopy, which was RJ's uh, watch. And um, I was quite surprised as well. Yeah. But I was more surprised about how passionate people are about this uh, <laughs> this little competition. Like you went into the comments, it was like you know people were butchering each other and and uh, hyping this watch and that watch, and it was kind of fun to read that. Yeah, it was fun, and and we had a good time doing it too. I mean, we were told to take the gloves off and really go at uh, each other and the watches. So, you know, t- read it, read it in jest. Um, if you're if you're the owner of a of a 
Snoopy or whatever it is uh, that you hunted for for a long time. That is your prized watch. Don't take our comments seriously. We were literally just having a good time and and trying to uh, intimidate each other. Um, Absolutely. So so I'm and curious. We'll, we'll come back. We'll come back next year. I heard from Rob. He's he's planning on something else. So yeah, well uh, that's good. So so I'm curious. Out of all these watches, which is the one that you would have chosen to win, or the one that you like best? That's a tough one. We kind of had this uh, similar discussion when we did the live with Rob a few weeks ago. And um, I I think that was around the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And I told him that I guess that, you know, I would say Speedy Tuesday 1 would be my choice. Okay. And uh, obviously, it's not everybody's favorite. Uh, it's definitely my favorite for obvious reasons. And that's the one that stands out to me the most. Um, but it's probably more of an emotional connection Yeah. than, you know, I cannot be, you know, unbiased when I look at that watch. Right. So for me, it's the, it's the speedy Tuesday one Yeah. or maybe a vintage, uh, just a regular 321 from, you know, from 66, 67. But overall, I would say, I would say ST one for sure. Yeah. Speedy Tuesday one. So I think, what about you? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about it. And I think at least in this contest, I mean, the the right answer, of course, is for me to pick ST1 as well. Um, but if I'm looking at just as far as neat watches and something very, very different, <laughs> it's ironic because I had to uh, I had to try to defeat this watch, which I did with the 1010. But my favorite is the Alaska Project. I just think it is such a wild watch and I'm... <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I I really have thought forever that it was such a neat thing for Omega to do, such a neat package, and mm. it's kind of a it's a fairly r- ridiculous watch to wear every day. Um, <laughs> I mean, clearly not not with that huge shield on it, but even just as it stands, it's it's not the most legible. It's kind of a yeah, it looks like some sort of an abstract art thing sometimes. And it's like a novelty piece. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if we're talking pure limiteds and we're talking something that's, you know, kind of a conversation piece, I think the Alaska Project is just a cool thing. And funny True. story about that, you know, when I bought my Tintin at Bucherer here in Frankfurt, it was like, I don't know, five or six years ago or something, maybe, maybe even a little longer ago. And... I walked in there. Um, actually, I didn't buy it at Bucherer, but I was looking at it. And they had in the window an Alaska project. And I was like, where did you guys get that from? And it, it, by that time, it had been something like two or three years or more old, I think even more. And he said, yeah, they found it in some one of their distribution centers or something. And they just decided to put it on display. And the crazy thing was, um, this thing was... I don't know, they were offering like 15 or 20% off. So it was incredibly inexpensive. And I knew I should buy it. I knew. And I didn't. Um, and this was... Look at it now. Huh? Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, it was like literally something on the range, on the, on the order of 2,700 euros or something crazy like that. And they... Um, yeah, maybe it was a little more than that, 3,500 or something. But anyhow, they th- this was before the time when Speedmasters really took off in, in price. And yeah, it was a mistake, but you live and learn, right? Yeah, for sure. You remember when we used to go to Southern QP, and then I think there's an Omega boutique in Piccadilly Circus. Uh, yeah, they had I, one too, didn't they? 
and they had the 50th anniversary. And remember, it was in the back of the store. You, it was like a, I don't know if it's still there. Last, I think it's still there. It's a long store. And in the middle, there was a staircase that went up to the second floor. Yeah. But if you went to the back of the store, uh, on the left side, there was a single little display. And it had a 50th anniversary for years yeah. in that display. I remember we went there every year of 2014, 15, 16, 17. And the watch was there every year. And um, I don't know what what's um, what's the price of a, of a 50th anniversary these days, but I'm pretty sure it's not there anymore. Yeah, um, probably not. Thanks to probably thanks to us, right? Yeah, we had a few few um, articles written about that. Yeah, I mean um, the same thing happened with the Tintin. Same thing happened with the Lasco project. Um, let's see what 21 brings us. What speedies and and what limited editions. Price increases would be interesting to see. Absolutely. So next topic, do you want to spend a minute just talking about our photo contest um, that you you ran? Right. So uh, again, I also uh, talked about this a few times on the live and also wrote some articles, but but we did uh, an Instagram photo contest um, starting in June. And every week I selected four images from Instagram from the users who tagged us uh, either tagged our account or use the, the Fratello Watches hashtag. I picked four um, images from four users every week. And obviously, uh, readers could vote for their favorite and then went into the semifinals and in the finals, just like the Speedy Tuesday uh, World Cup or the Speedmaster World Cup, sorry. And um, it came to an end. Um, in the finals, we had five images, five Instagram accounts, uh, very cool ones with great stories. Um, pretty versatile ones from expensive to to affordable watches so it was a great mix and uh i was super happy that we were able to to give a a prize bundle to everybody um the fifth um all the way up to the the first prize which was uh the new certina ds ph 200m the blue one which i uh i think we talked about a few few episodes ago which we both quite love yeah absolutely so it was a great contest and um Thanks again, Tina, by the way, for um, for the watch and all the other brands that that sent us uh, gifts: Tropic, Omega, Union Glashütte, and uh, ooh, I don't know. Well, if I left somebody out, anyways, thanks to everyone. Uh, keep on uh, using the hashtag and keep on tagging us because hopefully we'll be back next year. Probably not in the beginning, but maybe around June again. And um, I need new accounts. I need new images. Um, I made sure that every week we had a different account. We never used the same uh, user twice. And uh, I just want to see some nice images from from you guys, uh, any watch. So keep on tagging us uh, using the hashtag and uh, hopefully see you 2021. Absolutely. Yeah, and the last news item we've got before we get to a couple of our, our, our two topics today is our new app, mm-hmm. which just debuted yep. this past week. And Balash, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about this. This is a very simple app. Um, it's not that complicated to use. The only thing you have to do is it's only available for iOS at the moment. So you have to go into your app store and search for Fratello watches. And don't worry, you're going to see a pizza delivery company on the top of the list, but scroll down and you will find us. Uh, you download the app and then you have to sign in uh, or log in. If you uh, know the new system of Fratello, then you know that you have the option of creating an account and you can log into this account and then you can upload your picture and um, share your watch collection with us. Um, You know, 
stuff like that, write a few sentences about you or your collection. And this is the same account that you have to use. So once you downloaded the app, you have to log in and then that you have the app in front of you, you have news, you have a, a read later a bookmark tab, basically where you can save articles. You have a list of all the brands and then you can search for uh, the brand, uh, you know, search for articles uh, based on the brands. Um, there's an option for the shop. So you can visit the Fratello shop and maybe order the Fratello or it's the Fratelloris um mike's watch quote unquote mike's watch uh we still have a few left of the big crown uh bronze appointed it and um you can go into your profile and fill out so it's a it's a pretty straightforward app and um hopefully we'll come up with some upgrades in the coming months yeah i downloaded it right away and super slick it it doesn't hang up or anything and it's a nice way to you know scroll through everything that's recently come out and like you said do some searches hit the shop and if you haven't signed up on our website, you know, we've got a, a far improved commenting system now, and it's the same account for this app. So give it a shot. Let us know what you think. Uh, personally, I'm, I like it because it is straightforward and it just works. What would you add uh, to the app? Like, what is, what is the one feature that you would say, oh, it would be really cool to have it in the Fratello app? I'm just wondering. We haven't talked about this earlier. It's a, Oof. I think. Honestly, <laughs> good question, huh? I don't know. I don't know at this point. Is there something you're, I, you're looking for? I thought about a get like a picture gallery. I thought about uh, an option where where you can just save images, uh, maybe from the articles, but also share your images. I don't know if it's feasible. I haven't even thought that through. But I, I thought because you know there's so many watches that we talk about, vintage, new, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, yeah, I thought it would be cool to just save some images like. Like um, like like galleries, photo galleries, and things like that. Maybe be able to share it with other people so they can check out your stuff. And you can check out theirs, but you can also save images from the articles. I don't know. Well, maybe it's gonna maybe it's gonna happen next year. Maybe so. This year, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce us to the first topic? Sure. So so we're gonna talk about a couple things today. And thanks for listening to the news here and and what we have on our wrists. Um, but the main topics we want to talk about are collaboration watches, something that, you know, is clearly becoming more and more popular these days. And then we'll, we'll end the show talking a little bit about, um, yeah, looking forward topics. So watches we'd like to see re-released coming up and just kicking off the whole collaboration discussion. I think that, you know, this is nothing new in the, in the world of fashion, you know, whether it's, you know, clothing or sneakers and you know collaboration watches were something that that have, that have been around but it really feels like it's hit a uh, a whole different level especially here in the last few months i mean i think you and i were talking and the whole run up to the holiday period felt like every week there was a a different collaboration being released i mean we were we were in that mix as well and i think you know it's something that if done well, can be a be a, a really exciting thing, especially because most of these collaborations are limited. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, it they're not always done well, um, but I think it's here something that's here to stay. So, yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the collaboration topic overall, and then maybe we can talk about a few of our favorite our favorite collaborations that have come out over the last call it eight to ten years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think that 
It's a very interesting phenomena. It's here to stay because people love customized things, you know, whether that's your car, your suit, your shirt, your shoes, or, you know, sneakers, obviously. That's big business. I think it also, the, the one thing that opened or brought this more to the forefront is uh, high-end fashion brands collaborating with streetwear brands. Uh, it's a shame that Jörg is not in the in the podcast because I know that uh, you know he's he's big into that. But I think that you know the when Louis Vuitton and and all these brands started to collaborate with Supreme, which was by no means a new brand. It's been around since the '90s, I think, maybe late '80s. I'm not sure, but definitely for a long time. But that brought a, a completely different energy to this whole collaboration and customization game. Or if you think about Remova, I mean, you and I are both f- fans, we could say, right? Sure. Uh, fans of, of Remova, you have far more than I do. And we both have small ones, big ones, aluminums and and everything else like that. And, and, and those are nice or were nice. And they are nice suitcases, but they were very functional, but they were never really cool or trendy or anything like that i mean a louis vuitton bag is is trendy and cool a remover is just it just does its job but now with the new uh co-ceo and the new ownership behind remover you know gave it an, a boost and now it's it's not only a functional thing but it's a very cool and very trendy thing and they have friends of the brand or or people that that they sponsor like lebron james i mean lebron james is not the type of guy you would see with a german aluminum suitcase 10 years ago or even five years ago so um i think if it's done well it's great i don't like the collaborations when they're a bit lazy and it's just a new set of hands or you know just a case back inscription i i i think that's a missed opportunity for for both the the watch brand and the the other brand that's be a magazine or whatever but if it's done, if it's done well, if it's if it's a nice you know color scheme or it's a it's a great model, perhaps a model that's not even in the in the regular collection, then then why not? Cool. Yeah, I, I agree, and I and I think that you know, like we said, some of these are really good. Some are, you know, to use your word, a little bit lazy. Sometimes it feels like they they phoned it in. Um, but you know, we want to stick to the high points today, and yeah, we each came up with a few collaboration watches that that we really enjoy. And I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it off because the first mm-hmm. one I've got is is really from 2012, and this was before. Well, as I mentioned, collaborations have been done for a long time. I mean, they've probably been done for decades, but certainly even in 2012, this was before the. The whole Instagram uh, hype machine had really started, and I had been in Germany for less than a year, and I went to this store called uh, Manufactum, which is kind of a high-end. I don't, I don't know what you would, how you would term this store, but they sell everything from, you know, unique types of liquor to gardening tools to hiking, uh, hiking stuff, clothing, and they carry watches and fact that they're based here in Germany, they do carry some German watches. And I had been interested in Sin uh, before moving here, but certainly moving to Frankfurt, I became even more interested because they're headquartered here. And I wanted to pick one up and I looked into the showcase at this manufactum and they had this wild looking 103, which if you know the 103, it's sort of their traditional chronograph and has a case not unlike the uh, Otavia 2446C. And it, um, 
well, the, the one they had had this wild, um, they call it like a snail uh, configuration, a, a tachometer scale on its dial. And it had no sub-registers, but it had the uh, chronograph pushers, a 60-minute bezel, and this aged loom. And it's, it's called the 103 STOU. Um, and nickname is the, the tacky chrono. And they made a couple hundred of these. And I think there were like 1200 euros each. And I just fell in love with this watch. I, th- I just thought <clears throat> it looked so different. It didn't look like, um, kind of like you were saying, just a, a different color scheme on an existing watch. They had actually taken some, some sub dials away. So there was a little bit of mechanical work done to the watch and, I, yeah, I ended up getting it and it's, it's one of the favorite watches I own. Um, now I don't think it would have been a good regular model because it's not overly functional. You can basically use the bezel to, to time more than a minute and you have to use that, that, uh, snail scale on the dial to, uh, to use the, the tachometer if anybody actually does that, but just a really, really cool watch, very, very different and something that, you just don't see every day. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I have it in front of me. You have one sub dial at the nine o'clock position, which is the continuous second hand. Mm-hmm. And, and the other two are, are removed, as you said. And it has this 19, what is that? 1930s, early 40s dial design with, as you said, with a snail tachymeter. It's kind of a mix between vintage and new with the traditional 103 case, the steel case with the black bezel. It's a very cool looking watch, I have to say. Yeah, and and we were talking about this. If if this came out today and they built two hundred of them, I have no doubt that they wouldn't. You know, they, they'd be gone quickly. And back in twenty twelve, um, they weren't uh, because you either had to go to one of their few retail locations or you could go online. But it was really hard to order it if you were outside of Germany. And there were people um, when I wrote the article. I think they still had a handful left years later. Um, who were really upset that they just couldn't order it from the U.S. or from wherever. They really wanted the watch. And it just shows you how things have changed in the space of just eight years or so. You know, the the e-commerce is much better now, but certainly the coverage on such a watch would have been much, much heavier too today. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, mean with just going back to the ST1 and also the ST2, it kind of shows – shows us what it showed us when when we did it the the power of social media right because that was the first watch uh as far as i remember that was released on social media uh alone or only on or digitally so social media and then on the website and 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 it was like a wildfire just spread in in seconds so um at the time i mean 2012 you were saying instagram was not what it is today i'm not even sure if there was an instagram but definitely not not even um, in the vicinity of today's size and and um, power that Instagram has. So yeah, it was it was very different, and uh, and I think that I mean a lot of that stuff comes out in social media. You can't even follow it anymore, right? Because you see something, and then you see another one and another one, and every day, as you said, there's there's something new. Whether that's the same collaboration, I mean, for the same brand or for the same watch brand, it's it's just all over the place. But um, but it's a very cool watch and and um, it's a great story. So mine actually it's also a sin, and this is probably on the other spectrum of sim limited editions because it's relatively new. It was heavily um, covered on social media or advertised, if you will, on social media, 
and it sold out super quickly. And that is the uh, SYN 155.031, which is uh, the SYN limited edition that they did with Revolution. It's an exclusive special edition for the Revolution magazine. And I would love to say this is 2019 or 18. I can't remember. I think it's 19. Um, and they did 150 pieces, um, you know, in this typical Bund uh, watch, which is not in Sin's collection. It wasn't in Sin's collection before. I mean, obviously it was in the in the... Let me think, probably 60s. I mean, the Bundeswehr was set up in 1950-something. The first watch was yeah, the Junkans. 60s and 70s, they had these. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah. So it's not in not a, not a, a current uh, model, the, the 155. But that's the one that comes in the Bund strap. So this this three-piece strap, you know, um, for those of you who don't know, that's like a there's, a there's a leather piece under the watch, and then you lace the the straps uh, through this leather piece and it kind of protects the watch and it's a it's a, a very cool looking piece I mean even the vintage ones but also this one you have a 43 millimeter case huge black bezel and uh, pump pushers it's a two register chronograph and the only uh, feature or, or little uh, design element from Revolution is a star uh, above the six but the star is black so it's it's a shiny black compared to the matte black uh, dial, so it kind you can kind of see it, but kind of not. It has like folk patina on the hands and also on the numbers. So from a distance, it looks like a, a vintage Hoyer Bund actually, because it was done by Hoyer, and then obviously later on it was done by Sin. But it's a modern piece, a very modern piece. Yeah, I, I like it quite a lot. Uh, one of our friends, uh, Pascal, I think he has one, and um, yeah, I think it's just a. Just a great watch. It's a it's a great chronograph. It's not a small watch, um, but it's also a very different one. And I think that's a very nicely done collaboration because it's not too much, you know. But those those fine touches are still there. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I happen to own one of the original Hoyer versions, and mm-hmm. it is a <laughs> it's a very different watch. For you know, I was looking here, nineteen sixty seven. I guess is when they they debuted and. A very, very large watch compared to almost all others at that time, unless you're talking maybe, you know, a few of the Breitlings that were out. But it's a large watch, which makes it, I think, really modern. And yet it's just a timeless design. And I think that, you know, Revolution and working with Sin here created something that, well, they sold out almost immediately. So, um, and, and it was... It was only 2,240 euros. I have to be careful when I say only, but it wasn't like a four or five or $6,000 watch. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this looks, looks great. Um, it was really, a, I think, a reissue that no one was expecting. So well done to them on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's your, what's your second pick? So my second pick is an Oris, but it's not the Oris you just mentioned that, that we did. It's actually... Um, the Diver 65 that Oris did with Hodinkee, um, I guess also a year or two ago. And this was the Diver 65 that has a, uh, it's a 40 millimeter steel version with a uh, kind of a ghost bezel. And I think most importantly, uh, no date and a manual wind Salida. So 
the, this, this to me was, was really the cool part. The colors I think were great. Um, everybody likes the sort of faded out diver look that, you know, if you could choose a Submariner, that's probably what most would like. Um, so, so that worked well, but to me, the manual wind movement was just a, a neat, a neat thing. And I think that some folks, um, pushed back a little bit on this saying, uh, you know, why would I want to have to manually wind my dive watch and, you know, unscrew the crown every day? Isn't that going to be bad for the watch? Well, I mean, if you do it correctly, it really shouldn't. Um, and the other thing is, you know, if you head back into the fifties or, or so, I believe it was Tudor with one of their first Submariners, if not their first, um, for just a year, it was a manual wind watch. And, you know, there were manual wine dive watches. Um, this was the case. And certainly here we are in 2020 or 19 or when, when it came out and no, there's no need for it. Not at all. But this was a limited watch of, of a couple hundred pieces or so at $2,300. And I think it was just a really cool, um, difference, uh, to, to put a manual wine watch into a, to a diver or diver inspired watch. So that's my second pick. No, that's, I mean, you know, uh, Horace is on a roll, I guess, when it comes to, um, not only, um, uh, collaborations and I'm not saying this because we also did one with them, but, but in general, I think that their diver, diver 65, but, but all the other divers is, as well as their other models and their in-house movements are just, just, we just show how how uh, on top of things they are when it comes to their their new watches um research and development so it's a it's a cool brand um very approachable very friendly um affordable relatively affordable i mean obviously this is a subjective question but i think um anoris will not break the bank and the special editions whether that's a collaboration with like hodinki or or fratello for that matter or it's a limited edition that they did like the carbashir or uh, the Clemente watches, they're just pretty cool pieces. And yeah, well um, thought through, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So what's your second? Okay. So my second one is, a, is an interesting one, I think. It's a new one between Amsterdam Watch Company and Squale. Mm. This is a good mm. one. Yeah. So it's a special edition of two watches, 60 pieces each. If I'm not mistaken, Squally used to produce cases for other brands back in the day, right? And Squally is a is a brand that is that that's uh, uh, that produces dive watches. But back in the day, um, they used to create uh, or produce cases for other brands like Doxa or Hoyer. But they also made some of the the Blancpain cases for the the 50 fathoms back in um in the 50s mm. and so they had a few of these cases laying around and um they reused them or they used them so basically the case is the same one as the Blompan uh, watches had but now it comes with the squale uh, dial and the squale logo and there's actually two versions one is just a regular squale dial squale subino um the 200 meter water resistant and the other version has the no radio bino hmm. so you know the the radiation yeah right radiation logo they teamed up with amsterdam watch company and they created a limited edition 
uh, of 60, as I said, 60 pieces, 120 watches all together. They have an ETA movement inside. So, you know, nothing fancy, but ETAs are pretty much a workhorse movement manufacturer. So a great movement. The bezel, the Bakelite bezel, as well as the case is new old stock. The dial comes from um, Squala. It's a new, new dial. And the prices were actually very, very good, cheap, whatever you want to call it. The normal one, so without the the radiation uh, logo, it was a thousand seven hundred and fifty euros, and the no radiobino was a thousand eight hundred and seventy five euros, mm-hmm. and you could buy them on Amsterdam Watch Company's website. I am not sure if you can still order them. I think they're pretty much sold out. Yeah, just check the the no radiation one went almost immediately, and the other lasted a little longer, but they're both gone now. So yeah. And I think one fascinating thing about this watch is that it's 35 millimeters. So it's not a, right. a huge watch. Exactly. Um, Sorry, I forgot to mention that it's yeah, it's it's 34.8 something. It's a very, very small watch. Yeah. Or well, relatively small, but it's but that's the original size what the what what those Blancpain watches were back in the day. So um historically faithful. Yeah, I love it. I I think it was a great idea. And um sadly I I was too late. One of our friends, Ralph, has one, I think, 50 Father Mill spec mm-hmm. on Instagram. Um, he got one. But um, yeah, this was my this was my second piece. And I and, and I like it. I like the fact that they they you know they use the vintage cases with the vintage bezel, but they kind of found a faithful uh, dial design that that doesn't look different. You know, it has its uh, vintage dive watch DNA, but also the the squally touches are on it um and the price is i mean it's i think it's very friendly i'd love to see what uh what they'll uh, go for in the second hand market in a few months from now yeah well they, they also said that they got a uh, 180 of these cases and bezels so they did these 120 and there's a third watch that's going to come out i guess in 2021 so be anxious to see what that looks like so you might just get your chance again so <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna be on the lookout for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, so my, um, what's the last one for you? Yeah, my final one I think is also a surprising one, and this was um, this is a watch actually you can still buy, which is kind of a nice thing. Um, this is coming from our friends over at Worn and Wound, and they've got their wind up watch shop, and they did a collaboration with Christopher Ward, who we have um, we've covered their watches extensively especially more lately i think there was an article yet uh yet this week and the um the folks over at worn and wound have have come together with christopher ward to create the c65 sandstorm chronometer and if you take a look at this watch um which on bracelet it retails for 1205 dollars it is a 38 millimeter i would call it kind of a field watch it's it's really somewhat in the vein of the Oris, um, big crown. Um, but at 38 millimeters, it's a little small, smaller. It also uses the Salita SW 200 and has a, a date function that moves around the dial. Um, but it's quite, um, uh, I wouldn't call it hidden, but it's, it's not something that, that jumps right out at you. So the date is actually really nicely worked into the design and the whole, um, dial design is a bit of a sector dial with just this really neat metal 
uh, hour track uh, with the indices and everything. And I think it's just a really good looking watch. I mean, it, it really looks like the kind of thing that um, would make a fantastic daily wear. It's only 11.6 millimeters thick and 45 and a hair over for lug to lug. So I think uh, they, they really came together to do something truly attractive here. I, I think Christopher Ward has a really good name and uh, they're, they're a watch company that clearly offer a lot of value for the money. Um, I'm not sure, you know, selling on a, on a secondary site like Warren and Wound, perhaps that is something that most people don't ex, uh, expect. And maybe that's why there are still some here, but to me, this is a fabulous looking watch. And I think it's one of the more, yeah, more compelling collaborations that have come out over the last several years. Yeah, I like the the dial. I like the you know the the depth, like all these layers in the dial and these cutouts, and uh, it's almost like a sector dial, like a sandwich sector dial with the different uh, scales for the date and also for the time. It's a I like the the steel one. Yeah. It's a very cool, very cool piece. Yeah, there's a I guess a pvd or dlc version as well i i prefer the steel one i just think it works really well with the dial um but good on them for for doing going in a different direction you know working with uh, another brand and making a really cool looking watch so was, what's yeah, your final sure. one balash yeah so my final one is actually uh I, you wouldn't call it vintage, but it's close to that it's uh, a watch from 2012 mm-hmm that is a Casio G-Shock DW6900. And if you, you know, are listening to this podcast and you are a, a, a Casio G-Shock fanatic, and you might know what the DW6900 is. But for those of you who don't know, that is the Wu-Tang Limited Edition. And this was made, as I said, in 2012 to commemorate the 20th anniversary of legendary hip-hop group Wu-Tang Clan. They came to the to the scene in 1992 from Staten Island in New York. Nice. And, um, yeah, and so Casio with, I mean, with the G-Shock model, they wanted to bring back this 90s, early 90s uh, feel with this watch. So if you don't know which which G-Shock that is, it's the, the big round one that uh, just recently Hodinkee um, did a limited edition with John Mayer. So it's not the classic smaller square one, but it's the big um, round looking one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's with, with the three little uh, um, uh, sub-dials, the dials above. Yeah. Um, so it's a black, it's a completely black uh, G-Shock with obviously yellow, well, text and also yellow dial, and there's a yellow G for the light at the six o'clock position. And it has a um, black rubber strap with a Wu-Tang uh, W logo on it. And it came in a special, um, one of these G-Shock, small G-Shock metal boxes with the with a Wu-Tang logo on top of it and Wu-Tang on the case back. And it was $350 when it came out. And now it sells around 1000 and up on eBay and and uh, yeah, other gray market yeah. websites. So uh, it's a collection, a collector's piece, obviously. It's, uh, I mean, both you and I um, are um, very fond memories, I guess, of the 90s and 90s hip hop. You probably more than I do, uh, but uh, definitely of Wu-Tang. Whenever we travel together to uh, Basel, the Netherlands, whatever, and eventually these songs will come up in the 
<laughs> in the car. So um, yeah, it was a fun piece, and um, I think it's a great tribute to to the Wu Tang Clan. I love the black and the and the, the yellow. Yeah, There's a little yellow in it. Yeah, looks looks really good. Loud. And the fact that it's a G Shock means that it's tough enough for me to go dig in the gravel pit. <laughs> See what I did there. Right. That was a nice one. That was a nice one <laughs> to get the cream, right? Yeah, to get the cream. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's. Uh, I hope. I hope they'll come back because uh, I, I want to get one of these watches. They're pretty, pre- pretty cool watches. So yeah, that was my last collaboration. Oh, and by the way, when you when you press the the G at the bottom uh, for the light, the W is visible in the back of the right. display. Oh, nice. Right. So it's a green display with a, with a brown W in the back. Very cool. Very cool. So, oh, yeah. Good, good choice and something that I think um, probably a lot of our listeners don't even know about, and some of them are probably Casio collectors. So, great choice. I wonder if G-Pops has one. I doubt it. I doubt probably it. Not. <laughs> probably not. So, um yeah. So moving on to our to our final topic, I, I guess we can we can all agree that there will be more collaborations next year. Uh, but we we wanted to spend a few minutes looking forward and and not going through brand by brand to talk about you know the models we'd like to see, but we wanted to spend a couple minutes just talking about a couple things we'd love to see re released uh, in the next year. And as always, we know nothing, so this is just pure pure wish list from us and oh yeah yeah and uh and i'll i'll, I'll kick this one off because mm-hmm. I've, I've been thinking about this one for a while and i think we we we've seen the uh the 3861 movement from omega the meta certified uh chronometer that showed up in the 50th anniversary uh, Speedmasters last year and you know, there've been some leaks out there and we're, we're expecting them to arrive in, in the new form of a moon watch, uh, hopefully next year. And with this movement now, um, ramping up production, I mean, I have no clue what, what Omega can really make on these, but I'd like to see that movement land in something else as well as the Speedmaster. And what I was thinking of Balash is, the 145018 Seamaster DeVille chronograph that I have from 1970. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice one. So, so that was like a, a 35, 36 millimeter uh, chronograph that has a very, I think, a very pleasing case shape. It's a little bit Rolex like, but it's just a very nice looking case. And, mm. you know, they, the, the 018 is a three sub register model, they had a two sub register and then a, a two with date. And I would like to see them bring that case style back out again. And, and hopefully at the, well, let's just say 38, 39, maybe 40 millimeter diameter, but nothing larger and put that movement into it. I would love to see a Seamaster DeVille chronograph return. And why not with this new movement? Um, wouldn't be so thick. I think it'd be a really classy alternative, still a little bit sporty, but you know, maybe not as sporty as the the Speedmaster. Yeah, it looks like the little brother of the Speedmaster. I mean, it 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 kind of looks like a Speedmaster without the bezel. I mean, obviously the case is smaller, as you said, it's thirty five, thirty six, but it's a uh, it's a very cool watch. I like the case shape. It's uh, just a classic kind of late sixties, seventies ish case shape, but it's still very classy. Pump pushers. 38 39 with the new movement this would be a beast with a applied logo like uh, some of the old ones had 
it's a very clean, very elegant watch. I like the design and the fact that it came in so many dial colors on a strap, on a bracelet. There's so many options. It would be um, would be a full treffer, as the Germans say, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And the fact that the old 861 fit in such a small case tells me that the 3861 should fit in a variety of case sizes as well. So, you know, they don't have to make something 42 or 44 millimeters, um, even though the Speedmaster is 42. They could do something yeah. a little bit bit uh, sized down for people. So, so that's my first one. How about you? Yeah, so my first one is the first reference of the Rolex Submariner. So it's the 6538, um, which is, um, you know, the one without the, the crown guards, mm. um, the, the, the model that was in uh, the early James Bond movies. Dr. No. And for sure, yeah, the first one was Dr. No and 61, 62, um, if I'm not mistaken. You know, one can say that, nah, Tudor has done that. And it's true. But Rolex is not Tudor. So um, I think it would be fun to see uh, something like that happen. Obviously, it would never happen. I'm pretty sure about that <laughs> because Rolex is not known for these things. But it would be just interesting to to see um, what Rolex could do in 2021 with all these modern materials and modern movements in a case. It could be bigger than, than the original one was, but definitely keeping this thin, long uh, logs, the big crown, no crown guard kind of look. Because if you look at the movement, I mean, sorry, look at the dial, it's pretty much the same as every other Rolex Amer dial was all the way until uh, the 2000s. So yeah, there was this This would be um, a very cool and interesting project. Now, I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And geez, if, if you just think about Rolex, just think about the, the things that, that if they played the same cards as most other brands, you know, with retro or reissues, they would send the world into an even greater frenzy than, a, than they already have. Um, just think about yeah. Daytona's with, with exotic dials or Newman dials or white dial GMTs or explorers or something or subs. And I, <laughs> they, they have this whole, you know, buffet of options in front of them that, you know, right now they're just, um, they're too disciplined, uh, and, and they don't have to take them, right. They don't have to take those options, but boy, they have, yeah. them. that's for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, they can open the catalogs from the sixties and just start remaking these models and they would be a, <laughs> a lottery win for them. But I mean, I don't think they need to, obviously their Rolex is, they're very smart when it comes to the new models and, and how they change. And we know that whenever they come out with a new model or a refresh version, it's always a small changes as we've seen this year or last year, um, with the case, uh, sizes and things like that. Also with the Daytona, when they went, uh, with the ceramic bezel. So there's always those small changes. But for once, for once, it would be nice to see like pff, a 1960s, a 50s, 6538 re-edition without the crown guard. I think it would be like crazy prices. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my pick. So um, what's up with your next one? Yeah, so, so my last pick here is definitely on the other end of the price spectrum. The, you know, we had it um, here again, I think it was during 2019 when 
Seiko released the Seiko five sports and they, they released these models that really look a lot like the SKX 007, but you know, no screw down crown, um, better movement and many, many varieties. And these watches I think start in a 300 odd dollar range and go up to 500, depending on whether it's a special edition or whatever. Um, some people complained of course about the crown, others, complained about the pricing. Uh, they're still selling, so I don't think Seiko's too worried. But what I would like to see, and I, I guess it couldn't be called a Seiko 5, at least in, in Seiko's uh, verbiage, because that means an automatic, but they could brand it as a Seiko. I would like to see a watch using that uh, diver style case um, back with a quartz movement again. So Back in the late 70s, the original 7548 came out with that case design, and it's a really, really popular collectible. I actually think, um, yeah, there have been several famous people have worn them. Um, Just a really good watch. And, you know, quartz is not the, the sexiest thing versus mechanical watches, but it has its place. And I think that Seiko certainly has a suite of of potential movements that that could work in this case. They could throw the kinetic in there, which I think would be a neat um, nod to something modern, but yet, you know, you still have some, some mechanical stuff going on in there. They could do solar, although I generally don't like those dials as much, but I would like to see that, that SKX case again with a quartz quartz movement and, and price it, you know, a hundred dollars or so less than, these Seiko five sports. So let's call it 250 or so and create a really good entry level piece that could take on really what I would guess citizen owns with eco drive today. Yeah. I was about to say like uh, citizen is the, the king of affordable Japanese quartz dive watches. Right. And it it seemed to me that uh, people can get enough of them. I mean, you know, you can you can buy them many many uh, locations and and, and um, online and brick and mortar, but they just they just sell. People buy that stuff; they love it because probably they work, and also because I think for many people, mechanical watches are great, but they they prefer quartz. They they prefer not to set it. They prefer that you know that the accuracy compared right. So um, having the best of both worlds um, when it comes to Seiko with with the looks uh, from the Seiko Five, as you said, but also with the with the uh, kinetic or with the quartz movement, I think that would be a a great uh, well, I wouldn't say collaboration, but a great new piece. I'm not sure if it will happen, um, but if Seiko listens to the podcast, please send one to Mike and, and me. Yeah, and send that sub- to Mike. and send that Submariner to Balash if you're listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah if, if he's happy with the cycle, I'm happy with the Submariner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but no, but it would be it would be very cool. Yeah. So, so my last pick or idea is a tad different than than uh, all of the previous ones because I I've thought about something else and it's not a watch, it's not a not a model, but it's a movement. And, uh, you know, you and I are both fans of vintage watches and especially vintage chronographs. Some of the vintage movements that that people go crazy for, whether, you know, that's uh, 
um, of Rolex or another brand is the Volger 72, mm-hmm. um, which is a movement that's been, as I said, been used in, in a Rolex Daytonas, in Certinas, in the Melon we talked about last time. I think it's the Volger 72 as well, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, a number of other brands, right? Probably hundreds of brands. But it's just a, a beautiful, amazing movement. And it's not in production anymore. Yeah, the 7750, 7753, 54, etc. They became ITA. Um, but if Omega could do this with the 321 and people buy it, not only for the looks of the Ed White, but also for the 321 inside, which is technically an old movement, a recreation of an old movement, how cool would it be to have whatever watch, whatever brand with the Volju 72 in it? Uh, or or an Excelsior Park mm. EP4 or EP40 movement with that very distinct, awesome, beautiful uh, finishing, you know, those bridges. I mean, uh, when it comes to um, uh, a watch movement fashion show, I think the 321 is not nicer than the EP or the Volge 72 or, or the EP movements. They're beautifully made. Put them on a display case back, uh, whatever the watch is, uh, you know, sell like hotcakes. Yeah, and and I don't know what it would really take to to redo these movements. I mean, forget about if there's still any kind of intellectual property ownership there. I don't I don't think so. These movements are so old, but you know, somebody could create it, uh, whether it would be economically viable. I don't know. Uh, it's clear that people like automatics today. They like dates and things like that. I mean, this is clearly why we see so many watches built like that. When, when us, the 1% of 1% of watch buyers would love manual wind with no date. But I would think that with all the money that's, um, sitting out there, uh, related to watches, I'm I'm somewhat surprised somebody hasn't funded some sort of a of a project to go and do this again, uh, and and hopefully we would see it. And I mean, if it could be done in a in a scalable fashion, maybe it would even bring back a couple couple names that that we would would love to see around, like Enacar, Universal. I know those brands are owned, I think, primarily by um, Asian companies now, and you know, Enacar at least I've seen pretty low cost watches over in uh, I think it was in China or Hong Kong and um, Universal has sort of been sitting dormant, but it, yeah. either way I I'm with you. And, and I think that, you know, the manual mind wine movement and a nice watch, I just think it adds a lot more to the, to the ownership experience. There's something really nice about winding your watch and yeah, feeling, feeling the workmanship inside and how all those gears mesh together. Uh, that you just don't get with an automatic. Yeah, not not to mention if you think of column wheel uh, mechanical manual wind chronograph movements, there aren't many on the market these days. No. I mean, you know, you have the the 1861 or the 3861, which is not a column wheel, uh, um, but a manual chronograph movement. You have Salita has an option that you see in the um, the Nevada Chronomaster. What's the one that it that was in um, the Aquastar? Le Perret. It's automatic. Right. So there's a few there's a few and that's that's a column wheel chronograph, but that's an automatic. Yeah, you really only have we we're talking about it, a turna, which honestly I'm not sure what their status is today. And yeah. then you have Breitling who has um taken its automatic and made it into a manual wind for 
the two re-releases they did the the Navitimer and the 765 AVI and yeah that's really cool but uh, I doubt that Breitling is open to selling those to anyone on the market no. who wants to make watches right imagine you go and say I want 100 movements because I want to create my my brand and uh, I'm going to use Breitling movements and I think they're just going to laugh at you why they slam the door into your face yeah yeah so that's you know that's it's out there there's there's um enough brands or people looking for these movements but it would definitely be fun to see a volume 72 uh re-edition or resurrection or or as i said an excelsior park uh ep4 or ep40 just even as a project watch or you know 100 pieces 200 pieces whatever the case may be i would, I would definitely be interested and as i said the 321 and its success shows that if it's done correctly people will want it i think there's a market there's a market for that for sure absolutely yeah well very good well balash I think yes. that's a that's a wrap for us. We're a little over an hour here, and again, to everyone out there, we want to wish you a very happy new year. And we're all looking forward to 2021 and what it brings. And certainly, you know, stay safe, stay healthy out there. Please feel free to get in touch with either Balash or I via Instagram. I'm on Mike in Frankfurt, and Balash, you are on. <laughs> Ferenczi Baz, which is F-E-R-E-N-C-Z-I-B-A-Z-S. Uh, That's why I know I need, right. a, I need a new name. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so feel free to reach out to us via our Instagram accounts or through Fratello. If you've got any questions or any show topics come to mind for the new year, uh, we are going to do our best to come back every two weeks, um, try to publish our episodes on Saturdays. And stick around for um for the foreseeable so with that stay safe stay healthy and happy new year indeed happy new year and uh Kasra is over and